Chapter 6, Ethel's Ramble The room full of biologists had lots of funny ideas while Ethel the grizzly bear logged 2,800 miles, arcing from Coeur d'Alene, past Florence and Missoula, and eventually up to Eureka by way of Glacier National Park. Was she looking for someone she couldn't find? Maybe she ate a bad chicken and took a long time to walk off the indigestion. She had Alzheimer's and couldn't trace her way back to her home range northeast of Big Fork, the one place she had noticeably skipped in her three-year ramble across Idaho and Montana. The one thing we can say is that this was not representative of normal bear movement and certainly not female grizzly bear movement, said U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service grizzly bear recovery coordinator Chris Servine in 2014. She had some really bizarre travels. Here's one more thing we can say about Ethel. The 20-year-old sow demonstrated that grizzly bears can cross interstate highways, major city boundaries, municipal landfills, and residential backyards without getting in trouble with humans. She added hope that the big omnivores can coexist with people as their populations pooch out of their wilderness core habitat. Ethel spent most of her life around Montana's Lake Blaine, between the tourist town of Big Fork and the Swan Mountains. After game wardens captured her while raiding an apple orchard, she was relocated to the Wounded Buck Creek drainage along Hungry Horse Reservoir. She returned with a two-year-old cub in tow and got busted again in the apples in 2012. This time, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks bear specialist Rick Mace gave her a satellite-linked radio collar before hauling her and her cub to the more remote Puzzle Creek drainage, hard against the Continental Divide south of Marias Pass. And then, Ethel took off. She prowled around the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex for a while, including a few peaks at the eastern Rocky Mountain front between Lincoln and Augusta. Then she drifted down to the Mission Mountains and the Jocko Lakes area. Passing Arlie, she cleared Highway 93 and headed for the northern fringe of the Bitterroot Mountains. That meant hopping the Interstate 90 corridor, the biggest single barrier to reunification of the two biggest grizzly ecosystems remaining in the lower 48 states. Ethel braved the four-lane freeway and headed west into Idaho. She may have crossed I-90 several times as she explored the mountains around Kellogg and Wallace until she reached the city limits of Coeur d'Alene. A December 15th Kellogg newspaper article printed an Ethel sighting about 10 miles from the high school. She made a den somewhere in the Idaho Panhandle and hibernated through the 2013 winter. If the story had ended there, Ethel would still warrant a chapter to herself in the bear biology books. Grizzly home ranges average 70 square miles for females and from 200 to 400 miles for males. Sow grizzlies rarely travel more than 8.5 miles in a new country each year. One of Ethel's fellow grizzly moms in the Mission Mountains alongside the Flathead Indian Reservation had a home range of just three square miles, from mountainside den down to a boggy basin where she would forage all summer. Ethel's collar went dormant to conserve battery power on November 25, 2012. It revived the following March, showing her moving back east along Interstate 90. She cruised past Superior, then straight up and over several steep drainages between I-90 and U.S. Highway 12. She reached the southern fringe of Missoula on May 13th. 
In a short day, she zipped through the Blue Mountain Recreation Area and then south a dozen miles to Lolo. She probed the foothills of the Bitterroot Mountains as far south as Florence. On May 20th, she goes basically right through downtown Lolo and we didn't have any sightings, Servine said. She was minding her own business, walking around trying to figure out where she is. Ten days later, she shot back into Idaho as far as Coeur d'Alene, as if she'd remembered that she'd left something back at the den. Then she turned around and safely crossed I-90 again to return to Missoula. She went right past the city's landfill and only sniffed the garbage. She cruised some apple orchards in the meadows east of Evero Hill, and that fall, elk hunters spotted her eating the gut piles they'd left behind. Each night that fall, she'd pad four miles back into the rattlesnake wilderness north of Missoula to sleep. Then she barged north up into the Bob Marshall again, bypassing her Lake Blaine denning site, and headed for Glacier Park. After some time there, Ethel moved west towards Eureka on the western edge of the Northern Continental Divide ecosystem. She lost her collar on October 17, 2014. That's a total of 2,800 miles, Servine said. The only place she didn't go in the Northern Continental Divide ecosystem was the Blackfeet Indian Reservation. Ethel's ramble capsulizes the problem grizzlies present to those who want to recover them. They won't, can't, stay still. Let's start with food. When technic while technically carnivores, grizzly bears come as close to vegetarian as anything with fangs. In some places, grizzlies subsist on almost 90% plant matter, supplemented by bugs and the occasional carrion buffet. Those five-inch claws and shoulder humps of muscle get a lot more use digging up roots and anthills than dismembering elk. To meet that need, grizzlies have learned to follow a green wave of plant regeneration through the growing season. As soon as they arise from their den, they look for two things. A shot of protein from some winter-killed fellow mammal and a meadow full of new clover. They often find both in the runout zones of avalanche chutes. As spring days lengthen, the bears start digging up carbohydrate-loaded bases of plants like biscuit root, yampa, glacier lily, and wild onion. This serves until the plants reach flowering stage, whereupon the nutritional value of the roots fade. Bears move up and down in altitude, following the retreat of winter snowpack and the aspects of changing sunshine to fresh growth. When summer sets in, bears look for berries and other fruit. Where possible, they sniff out middens of white bark pine seeds buried by industrious but forgetful squirrels. In some remarkable spots in the Mission Mountains and the Beartooth Plateau, they climb near the summits of 10,000-foot mountain peaks to find the breeding sites of army cutworm moths and ladybugs. They shred rotten logs and dig out ant colonies, and yes, they do raid beehives for honey. The jaws and teeth do get some put to some more presumptive uses. In May and June, Yellowstone bears zigzag through meadow edges hoping to scare up elk calves, which are born virtually scentless so that bears hunt for them by sight. A rare bear may hunt and kill a bison, elk, or deer. More often, that offensive weaponry goes to chasing off wolves that have already brought down a big meal with their more effective pack hunting methods. The reintroduction of wolves in the mid-1990s had a marked benefit on bear populations in Yellowstone Park. 
Nevertheless, there is no one-stop shopping. What's the nutritional value of fighting for a berry patch before the berries have ripened? Male grizzlies in particular do not share and will attack virtually anything that impinges on their meal of the moment. But they're moving through the habitat like we cruise the farmer's market, picking up fast-sprouting lettuce at one stall in April and ignoring another until the good tomatoes appear in August. When she dropped her satellite collar in 2014, Ethel disappeared from active research. However, the lopsided W that she traced across the maps of Montana and Idaho continued to tantalize her human overseers. If she'd gone 20 miles farther west of Eureka, Ethel would have tagged three recovery ecosystems. If she had settled in the Cabinet Yak ecosystem, fireworks would have gone off in the Fish Wildlife Service headquarters. Forty years previous, that office was braced for more of an implosion. As Dick Knight, the original leader of the interagency grizzly bear study team, put it, every grizzly bear carries our society inside him like a bomb, a ticking bomb, already well advanced toward blowing him off the face of the earth, and continuously, relentlessly ticking towards ignition unless we intervene to disarm it.